completed the key marketing platform, but there are still some questions that I wanted to add in uh, that you should be asking and have the answers to before you actually start building the website. These are decisions that you, most of these, if I recall, are decisions that you're going to make. You should only have to make them one time. Not really something that you're going to be referring back to a lot. Again, who is your market? Know who your market is. I can't emphasize that enough. If you don't know who your market is, you're not going to reach anybody. What are your goals for the site? What's the, and another way of putting that is what's the purpose for the site? What do you want this thing to do? Do you want it to entertain? Do you want it to, want it to educate people? Do you want to sell produce on it? Um, do you want to sell, market an information product? Do you want to market webinars and video conferencing or coaching or, you know, what is your site about? You need to be very clear about it and not overload it with goals, with purposes. It should have a purpose. There's no rule in the world that says you have to have one website. You're allowed to have more. I have four going right now. So plus another 60 domain names sitting there waiting for someday projects. You do not have to restrict yourself to one website, but each website should have a very clearly defined purpose. What do you want it to do? Some more possibilities. Do you want it to attract people to come to your, to come to your location? Do you want them to call you? Um, are you selling to restaurants and stores and health food stores and are you, you know, where are you reaching? Because if you are selling your subscription gardening services, you got somebody that wants two bags of groceries every week, you're writing differently to them than you are if you are selling to a restaurant. The restaurant guy might not even have time to, to read a website from if in you know the ones that I've seen over the years, they're so busy that, that maybe they don't read the website, but you still need to have information targeted to the restaurant owner or the store owner. The B2B sales cycle is so different than it is for consumers. And of course, I mentioned there's, there's different things you can do. You can publish and sell information products. Um, you can build an audience and provide coaching and consulting and lifestyle classes and, and that type of thing. E-commerce, you'll run across this term every so often. E-commerce is selling directly on the website where somebody places an order, pays for it, provides the shipping information, or uh, you tell them when to come pick it up and so on. E-commerce is probably beyond the scope of what most of you are going to want to deal with, so I'm not going to really spend any time on it. If any of you are interested in it, check with me during one of the breaks or afterwards, and I can point you to some resources. It's complicated and expensive to do well. And, and I touched on this a little earlier. Do you want to sell, do you want your site to be content oriented that's educating and informing people? Uh, do you want to be set up as the authority, the local authority? 
know what the most desired action is. This is something that when I'm writing a web page, writing a sales letter, uh, writing a brochure, when I'm doing any kind of marketing information, this is one of the things that I have to know. What is the thing that you most want to happen when somebody reads this, this web page, reads, hits this website, reads this brochure, what's the most desired action? Because without that, I can't write effectively. There's no focus, there's no target to try to hit. So know what that most desired action is for the entire website, and you may have several. Uh, for the website, it may not be just one most desired action. There may be 15 or 20, and those you'd want to split off into separate pages. But overall, know what's that most desired action. Again, back to the USP, what makes you different? Don't be shy about looking at your competition and look at their websites. Uh, because I can guarantee you that your market is looking at their websites. And if you look at your competitors' websites, you'll see places that they aren't doing so good. Please don't run and tell them that they're not doing so good. Just fill in the gap yourself because, you know, this is, this is what you're looking for is what are they not doing so good? Maybe they're doing really good with video marketing. Maybe you want to try video marketing, but maybe you look at it and say, you know what, they're doing such a good job that anything I would do would make me look second rate instead. So I'm going to do something else. I'll take a different approach. Yes. Yes. From a user's, from a customer's perspective. Um, plus, given what you know, what you will know by the time we're done with, with all of this. And again, you're not going to be an expert, but you will have enough of an overview that you're going to be able to look at. A, you'll never look at a website the same. You're going to look at a website and you're going to say, aha, that's what he was talking about. Oh, looky there, they're not doing that. I can do this. It, you're going to see it. And the more you expose yourself to it, the more you're going to see. And pretty soon you're going to, you're, you're going to look at, a, you're going to, be to end up looking at a website and you're going to think, doesn't anybody in the world know how to do this except me? <laughs> because you have an advantage, even though I t I'm talking about how time consuming it is and it can be expensive and so on, but you are very fortunate that a great number of your competitors don't have a clue. You're gonna walk out today knowing 10 times more than most of them. And so it gives you an advantage, especially in the local marketing space, you know, where you're trying to reach a local area, you're going to have an advantage. You're going to be able to say, this is, this is what I can do to stand out. And if you only do 10% of what I'm talking about today to your website, you will stand out in your marketplace. Okay, and we covered this already. Why should someone come to you rather than, than to someone else? Back up with that one a little bit. One option that we've, I've talked about briefly was content marketing that, that positions you as the expert, as the authority. And you might think, well, you know, there's only so much that I can write about artichokes. There's a concept that I don't have a slide for, but you need to know about. It's called curated content. Curated. Think of a curator in a museum. Curated content. And this works really well for blogs. So curated. C-U-R-A-T-E-D. <laughs> okay. 
See, this is why I said make sure you ask. There are people out there who have written tons of information. On your blog, you can put a link to that information with a few comments of your own, and now you have curated content on your blog. Your readers will thank you. Yes, some of them will go to that other website, so you might not want to, to link to somebody who's in your physical market space. But somebody that's on the other side of the country, if you're selling, if you have a CSA or you're selling artichokes to the local restaurants, they're not going to go to somebody that's on the opposite coast. So, and, and it also, you can include information from scholarly journals, nutritional analysis, you know, all kinds of, of interesting little things that you can take from other websites, link back to it so that they're getting credit for it. Uh, and now you have curated content. This is one way to, to have regular, fresh content. It's not going to help you with your position in the search engines that much because it's from somebody else's website. Uh, and you are just linking back to it with your comments, but it helps with engaging your visitors. They're going to want to come back and say, oh, what did Dave read about this week? Last week was so interesting. I wonder what he's got this week. Or, you know, if you want to do some every day, it's up to you. Uh, instructional content. This works really well for people who have a local market so what kind, of, what kind of instructional content might you have? Depending on what you're selling, and I'm just going to assume produce of some type in, in our case here, recipes, meals based around your products, um, how, to, how to keep this particular vegetable from rotting before you can eat it. Uh, 15 ways to fix zucchini, as if anybody needed you know, something to do with zucchini. Another thing that you can do is you can teach small-scale small scale gardening techniques. Do not be afraid that you're going to create your own competition, because most of your readers are not going to duplicate what you are doing. Yes, they may have a garden in their backyard, but guess how big it's going to be? It's not going to be as big as yours. And when they discover that their homegrown tomatoes sound pretty, smell, taste pretty good, they're going to come to you to fill in the gaps of what they weren't able to grow. Or maybe their tomatoes didn't grow because they got tobacco mosaic virus or something else. You know, the blossom end rot killed them all off, and, but they got just enough to get a taste for it. Who are they going to come to for their tomatoes? They're not going to go to Walmart. They're going to come to you because you were the one that showed them, got them hooked on this. That's a strategy we're going to talk about in, the, in Thursday and Friday. Thursday and Friday's sessions are going to be duplicates, but it's a social media strategy, and the short, the short answer is it depends. <laughs> like everything else with online, often it depends. It depends on your market. It depends on one of the things that we didn't talk about in here that we should have is where are your market 
place hanging out online? Are they hanging out on Facebook? Because there's a whole group that doesn't go to Facebook. It may be one of the largest in the world, but there are people who don't do Facebook. And there's a large segment of millennials that don't hang out so, on Facebook. So if you are targeting millennials, uh, people who were born 2000, since, since about 1998, depending on, on who you're paying attention to for that millennial category, they're not, all, they're not on Facebook so much. The largest demographic on Facebook is over 55. It's grandma's showing, sharing cat pictures. <laughs> yes. And, and that's, that's right. There are still a lot of young people on Facebook, but they are not, their behavior is different. And so one of the things that, that you might, for this group, you might do if you say you want to get into to building an audience of small scale gardeners, you could have a group page on Facebook because almost everybody seems to have a Facebook account. Facebook is a very good place to do a group type of thing where you can, can chat back and forth and share tips and so on. Um, but Milton, back to your, your question, they should be kind of cross-posted, but there's a specific strategy you want to follow for doing that um, so that you, you know, there's, there's really not a lot of downside. It's just that if all you're doing is posting your blog posts onto Facebook, uh, people won't engage with it after a while. They'll kind of lose interest. Now we get to there is a slide for that. It's not in my notes. Where do they hang out? What's their behavior? How do they look for information? Everybody uses Google pretty much. So much so that we, Google is now a verb. Google it. But there are other forms of getting information. Word of mouth on social media is, is a really big one. It's a little tricky because Google dominates. And in, if you are looking for international information, your best bet is to look for, and I, I have no specific examples to give you, but I know that there are specific search engines you know, that are, are targeted towards specific countries. And, and I have, have something to share with you on this. And, you should know before I say this that I am not, a, I don't wear tinfoil hats as a general rule. Okay, I, I, I just don't. However, there is something that's in the works with Google. They've released a study paper on this and it bothers me. And it's a sign of, of where things are going. Google is it's a gatekeeper, like you were saying. It controls information, and that's their goal. In this paper that they released um, this summer, they were studying the feasibility and included some of the algorithms and to the point where the patented process. <clears throat> where the results that they show you, now we talked briefly about ranking. Google crawls through all the websites on the internet, indexes them, analyzes them, and decides from this, this algorithm, it's called the, the, the program that goes through, crawls through everything, 
and decides what order to place things in your search results. So if you are searching for left-handed widgets, it's, it looks at your personal search history, which it has a record of. It looks at your location, which it knows, and it gives you a personalized set of results based on information that it knows about you. If you just searched for blue widgets, and then two minutes later you search for left-handed widgets, in that search selection for left-handed widgets, it's also going to include blue widgets because it knows your search history. So it knows everything. Just a minute and I'll get to you. So here's what they're planning on doing. They want to rank information, present these rankings, these listings, your search result listings, based on truthfulness, not based on information or relevance. They, want to, they are going to evaluate how truthful it is and what they're going to use for truthfulness, for defining how truthful it is, is a crowdsourced database and a set of crowdsourced databases like Wikipedia. And if any of you have ever had any dealings or any knowledge of Wikipedia, you know that anybody can go in and change anything they want. And I see great um, potential for certain viewpoints to be excluded from Google completely because they are not considered truthful. And, you know, we tend to think of that as, well, that might not be such a bad thing because then there's stuff that, that I wouldn't have to see online. But what if it comes down to when somebody decides that um, keeping Sabbath is not truthful? It, it's not true because the crowdsourced database says so. And then all of your Sabbath-related pages are gone. Everything the Adventist Church has done is gone out of, out of Google. So there, this, this has, you know, right now it's, we're some time away from it actually being implemented, but it's there. They're going to control what you see based on their evaluation of whether it's truthful or not. So there you go. There's your tinfoil hat for the day. And, and that's a, another good thing to, brings up another good point. Just because you see it on the internet doesn't mean it's so. So you have to, you have to use some common sense as you're evaluating it. We were talking about the research, the facts and figures. Make sure you're, you are working from a trusted source, not just from somebody, because anybody can put up a web page. And anybody that's got money can get their web page ranked. And, yeah, and this is one of the reasons why Google is wanting to rank by truthfulness, why they're wanting to apply that filters, because right now there's no way to, you have to use common sense to define, to determine whether a fact that you're seeing is actually factual or not. Well, this is what bothers me. <laughs> yeah. Crowd, crowdsourcing is, is a wonderful tool, but I, I really shudder to think of the potential for, for shutting down unpopular opinions. Okay, how are people going to find you? This is something to, to consider as you're looking at your website. How are they going to find you? Are they going to find you through search engines? Are they going to find you through a Facebook ad? Are they going to find you from an AdWords ad? Are they going to find you from a, from a Twitter post? You know, you need, to, you need to have these things in mind because 
what people expect from these different places. They expect a different experience. So somebody that comes in from Facebook might expect a different experience than somebody that comes in from an, a Google ad, AdWords, which we'll cover here in a few minutes. All right. I don't have ominous music to play, so you're just going to have to imagine it. Keyword research. And I've got some terms to define for you. And then we're going to actually dive into a website, if I can get the computer to work properly on screen here. Keywords. When you type in something on the, into Google's search bar, that's a keyword. Now, that's a hangover, holdover from old days when people would put in one or two words into the search engine, in the search box. Nowadays, we type full questions. Uh, and, and some of this has changed from the Hummingbird update that they did, which completely rewrote the searching process for Google. Um, it also ties into voice searches. You know, people, you know, they pick up their phone and say, show me the Family Lifestyle Center. And you get this search results back. So keywords, when I say keywords, just understand that I am meaning whatever you put into the search bar there in Google. Some people will also call them key phrases, and sometimes I get tangled and refer to them as either, either way. But keywords, key phrases, anything that you're typing into Google's uh, search box. No, we don't want to go to that one yet. All right. It's a process that takes a long, long time to master, researching keywords. But I can show you very basic overview today of how you find out what people are searching for and how often they're searching for it. You remember how many searches I said there are a day? 6.6 billion searches a day. That means that every second there's something like 75,000 searches happening around the world. You know what's interesting? I just found this out uh, yesterday. I was uh, reading my little book over here on the plane and, and ran across an interesting little thing. Something like, was it 15%? I think it was 15%. I should probably look it up to be precise, but an astonishing percentage of those searches are absolutely unique. Google's never seen them before. I, I didn't think that was even possible by now. I thought that Google would have everything so well indexed by now that uh, we would... Pardon? An example of a unique one? No, because I have no way of knowing what they would be. All right, Google's got this handy little tool called a keyword planning tool. In order to access it, you have to have a, let's see, I've got a, no, not that one. There we go. See that Google AdWords right there? you have to have a Google AdWords account. 
in order to access this tool. It's free. You do not have to actually buy ads in order to use this tool. Google AdWords. AdWords is the advertising program that Google has where they place ads in your search results. So you, you notice when you type in the ads, the first two results you get are ads, right? Paid, sponsored links, whatever they, whatever they happen to call it today. Then over in the right-hand side, after you get past the little box over on the right-hand side, then all down this side is a listing of ads, right? Seen those? AdWords. You look on websites, and often inside the, the page, there'll be little Google ads, AdWords. And how that works is every time somebody clicks on one of those, the advertiser pays a fee, pays Google. And that's what this AdWords account is. It's so that you can get your ad in that little column of search results there. Um, we will talk about it very briefly in a moment, but um, it's, it's a good way to get instant traffic to your website. It can be very, very expensive if you do it wrong, and it can be very, very expensive if you do it right. There are some keywords that if you were to get into the number one position, you'd be paying $30 plus per click. That's not a sale, that's just somebody saying, hmm, I like that, and click on it, and you've just paid thir Google 30 bucks. So it's, it's very unlikely that any of you are going to be in that category, but you'll see here in a minute what some of the uh, uh, related keywords might be. Okay, so get, get an account, because this lets you do some surface level research. You get your account, you get logged in, and let's just look at search volume, data, and trends. All right, I'm over on the, on the east side, over by the Carolina border in Tennessee. Let's, since we're in Texas, Let's just look and see what kind of we could, um, what we might find if, of people searching for produce in the Dallas area. Can I give you <laughs> Yeah, in just a minute we can, sure. Let me see if we're going to get anything here. Okay, so we get something like this, and yeah, you can see. You can see that that there's about 10 searches per month for produce in Dallas. So that might not be the best keyword to look for. It doesn't mean that there are, are people not looking for, for uh, produce, but you said Baltimore, huh? The reason you're doing this search is to find out what kind of tra traffic exists out there. You're, you're going to use this information to develop your website, to develop pages for your website. Uh, okay, so people obviously are not searching much for produce. What would they might, what would the CSA? Okay, look, look here, you can see that 49,000 searches per month for CSA. Now, what we don't know is whether that means 
community-supported agriculture or not. Um, it might be the name of a, of a company. We don't know that yet. 40,000 searches for organic. So we know that there's interest in organic something there in the Baltimore area. Here's another thing to look at, low competition, which means that you have a good chance of maybe getting a page to rank well for organic. If you wanted to do an AdWord project based on that keyword, you would be paying $2.64 per click. No sales. If, if you wanted to use, do the AdWords, that number to get the, the one of the best positions is probably be in the first, second, or third position, you'd pay $2.64 per click. You wouldn't pay anything unless somebody clicked on your ad. That's if you put an ad on there for, for organic. People come to your website. It's a way to drive traffic to your website. So it still is going to increase the traffic. It's going to increase your traffic, and, but we need to... You've, you've got to get paid more for your product than you... But we'll talk about it a little bit more, but it's, it's going to be important that you, if you ever do any paid advertising, especially online, that you're not just sending people to your homepage. You don't want to do that. You want to send them to a specifically designed page specifically for that particular ad. Otherwise, they'll land on your website and say, okay, why did I hit end up here? So, and we'll talk about those. They're called landing pages, and we'll talk about them in a minute. Okay, so we're not getting results quite like I'd want, and, and I know why. One of the reasons is, is because we're using broad, we call broad match keywords. Organic is very broad. I, I could be talking about organic chemistry rather than organic produce. So um, let's, let's search for keywords. So let's try organic vegetables. Let's put Baltimore in there so that it's organic fruit. Okay, that's, that's good enough to get started on. And let's go choose a category and are we in our hypothetical situation are we selling produce to people or are we going to teach them how to do it okay in this case let's use food and groceries and all right and we're going to click on get ideas yes you have to have you have to enter in a payments thing but you do not have to it's never charged unless you actually place an ad. In fact, you can create that whole ad campaign and get all kinds of information, but until you click go live, nothing's ever charged. You can look here and see some of the types of... No, let's go over to keyword ideas. Okay, so you can see here that, that while that doesn't look like an awful lot of searches, there's, you know, would you like to have 800 people checking your website for organic produce delivery if you were delivering produce most of the traffic <laughs> most of the traffic that you will get that will generate money for you will be these searches that have 10 to 50 searches a month it's not going to be the 500,000 if it's got 500,000 searches that's too much it, there's, there's too much ambiguity there 
So you want specific uh, search information. And let me pull open, you get to see my reading material. This is kind of what I... No. Yes, I would consider that for, well, I, I don't think I could keep up with 880 customers if I was delivering organic produce. Did it keep you pretty busy? <laughs> All right. There's a, there's a concept that I wanted to share with you about. Mm -hmm. You tend to. You tend to, and a lot of people tend to, but a surprising number of people actually click on those things. Um, it's, it's just amazing what... So, so now I know when I click on that, it's charging... It's costing somebody. So yeah, there, are, there are people... One of the things you have to be careful with, and there's really no way around it, is that, that in very competitive markets, competitors will go click on each other's ads or any ad that's not theirs and click it and run up the bill, you know, because what happens is most of us, when we do an AdWords account, when we do a campaign, we say, I'm, I want to limit it to $50 a, a day, or, you know, there's a daily limit. And so once my daily limit's been reached, my ad is no longer displayed. And so they'll go click on the competitor's ads until their daily limit's been reached. And <laughs> Google, they try, but they can't they can't get it out completely there and there's there's all kinds of nefarious stuff that goes on there underneath the so so you have to be careful when you're doing that paid paid stuff okay i can't find real quickly but i wanted to talk to you about the keywords the differences in keywords um there's the broad match that we looked at organic um if somebody's looking for organic, do you think they're ready to take any kind of action on anything? You know, probably not. They're, they're just looking for information on something. Uh, there's a couple of different levels of looking, just, just looking for information. What you're looking for is something that indicates a transaction is about to take place. So organic fruits and vegetables you know, you can see here, 480 average searchly month, uh, monthly searches. And it's medium competitive and only $2.12 suggested bid if for an AdWords campaign. And by the way, let me reiterate, I'm not suggesting that you do AdWords. We're using these dollar amounts and the competitive amount uh, indication to kind of give you a clue as to whether it's worth your effort to try to get a page that that ranks well for this keyword. Anybody that, that wants to generate where a lead has actual monetary value, um, if, you can, if you can say somebody who visits my website uh, out of every, you know, say that 1% of, of all visitors to my website will become customers and the average customer will spend X dollars. Where, when you know those kinds of numbers, then you can, those are the companies that are going to have an AdWords so that when you click on it, um, you're, you become a, they have a way of capturing your information. They get you. 
this is but but what we're looking for is the amount of traffic because we're going to apply this to search traffic not to AdWords this is an AdWords planning tool but we're looking for how many people are searching so that we can use that to develop a strategy for what pages are we going to create in the website so would it do hopefully it'll be clear here in just a minute if it's not come back to it and, and ask for clarification I'll be glad to cover it organic fruits and vegetables is kind of a broad term am I looking how to grow them do I want to buy them we don't know so there's no real way of in determining the intent of that search so while your website would you know if you're going to be selling organic fruits and vegetables obviously you're going to have that keyword in there you're going to have it's going to be an important part of your strategy but it's not a transaction there's not anything actually happening so people come to your to your site they may just be looking for information on how to grow it so you know you don't want to spend a lot of effort on a keyword of that type now you get down here to organic produce delivery now what are they looking for yeah there's a transaction happening and and a very small percentage of them may be competitors that are looking for um, you know, what's the market like in in this area so, or how many people are searching and so on but you can look at that and say there's a transaction happening here maybe if I'm going to offer a delivery service maybe I should spend a lot of effort on my web page talking about organic produce delivery because there's a transaction and you can see that because it's a transaction type of search notice that the competition is fairly high so when you want to have a page that's going to position well in the search engine results you're going to have to put some work into it because you've got competitors out there that are are doing the same thing it's a high value key phrase organic fruit and vegetable delivery there's only 170 average monthly searches but that's every single month on average you want to pick up 170 new clients every month well it's not going to happen but you know what if you could get your get a page on your website to rank fairly well you know in the first five results on page one of people who are interested in getting you know you know they're interested because that's the word they words they put in you know they're interested in what you have to offer now you get them to your web page and now you do a good job of selling them on why you're the best one better than XYZ produce down the road that when they deliver their produce it's all mashed and rotten where yours is fresh right off the vine of course you don't want to run down your competition you want to do a better job of explaining why you're better but um, here's another one organic veg vegetables delivered you know there's a they're looking for a service to be delivered to them so you take these these keywords that you're seeing in here organic food stores 3600 searches per month if you're not an organic food store it's not is it going to do you any good to have a page talking about organic food stores it's not going to get you much traffic and here's what's going to happen if you if you do have the page optimized to the point where it's ranking really well people are going to hit that page and they're going to say that's not a store 
They're just talking about stars. I don't want to be here. And they'll bounce. They, it's called bouncing off. Google will see the lack of engagement, the short times on the page. And Google's going to say, you know, maybe that's not such a relevant result. And so maybe we don't position it so high. So uh, it wouldn't do you much good to, to uh, try for that. Here's another one. This one's kind of a mix of several we've talked about. Organic produce home delivery. And only 40 people a month are searching for that. But still, it's a high competition because wouldn't you like to have 40 new people every month looking at your web page on organic produce home delivery? So are you seeing a little bit of what this keyword analysis is for in your context? Did, did I answer what you were asking as to why you do this? Yeah. Yes. The short answer, yes. Long answer, not quite. But yes, you would. the idea is that you want to have a page that specifically addresses that search. But there are some things that you don't want to do. There's, yes, the, the larger ones, well, they're, the problem with uh, like organic foods here, the broad match, you have no way of knowing what their intent is behind the search. So if they come to your website and it's not what they were looking, a large percentage of them would see that it's not what they were looking for because you, know, you might be selling organic foods while they're looking for information about organic foods. Now you can take that and turn it into an opportunity because you can teach them on your website about the benefits of organic foods, what's organic, what's not, what's, certifi what's certified, what's not and so on, and turn them into a customer for your home delivery service. It's, it's the technology is more challenging because you have to have an ordering system, a shopping cart set up, a payment processing uh, provider, and then the database management. And you're going to need somebody that's, that's where your computer programmer, developer type uh, comes in handy because there's a lot of scripting and development that goes into it. And then if something breaks and people have placed many orders, but for some reason it didn't get recorded or it got, didn't get sent to your email box or, yeah, you've got all kinds of grief headed your way. So it's a, it's a potentially, potentially lucrative area if you have the right product to the right market but it's got some technological issues that you have to be aware of before you get into it. Oh, yes, yes. There's many, many off-the-shelf type of things. You just have to be aware that very few of them are quite as off-the-shelf as advertised. And to get all the pieces to play nice with each other, it can be a little more challenging than most people are willing to put up with. If you're willing to put up with it and you're willing to, to pay for the the uh, services to, to make it happen, you know, it's, it's viable. It's just an extra source of headache that most people are not willing to deal with. All right, any questions about keyword analysis? Yes. Yes and no. There are, there's a concept that, that I should talk about. 
I don't think it made it into the slides. It didn't. 1047. Oh, we've got some time before lunch. Good. There's a concept called long tail. And it derives from a, a graph. You've all seen graphs that um, you have, have the, the axis and then you have a line that goes down and comes out, uh, you know, high results here and then it curves out like that. In this long tail concept, the, the number on this side would be the number of searches. So let's just say, um, let's just say, for example, that the most searches done in a day on any one particular topic, let's just say a million searches a day, just to choose a number. Okay, so that would be this number right up here at the top of that line. And as they go down here, obviously these numbers down here are smaller and smaller and smaller. And let's say that the million searches a day is for um, cars. All right, that's, that's a broad match. Lots and lots of searches, almost impossible to define the intent behind the search. This area down here where there's only 10 to 20 to 50 searches per day or per month even, is that long tail because it kind of it kind of comes down and, and makes kind of a long dinosaur looking tail on the graph and I should have gotten a chart for you but I didn't but so you'll just have to use your imaginations it's that long tail small amounts of searches so to use the car example a million searches a day I could spend tons of money, tons of time trying to get a page to show up, my web page to show up in the search results, anywhere in the search results for that, for that type of, of keyword. It would be almost impossible for me to get my page onto page one or even page five of Google probably because there's so much competition for it. However, if I'm selling left driver's side window cranks for 57 Chevy pickups, I can own that niche because it's way down here in this long tail. There may be 10 people a month searching for it, but I can't, because it's such a, a low number of searches, there's just not much competition for it. So I can own that. I can optimize my page and optimize my site to where Every time somebody searches for driver's side window cranks for 57 Chevy pickups, that mine will show up in the first five results. And I might get all, I might get the entire whole page based on that. So most traffic to websites, it's kind of counterintuitive, but it's something that, that you should just accept until you see it. Most traffic to a website, to a well-run website, businesses get most of their traffic from long tail keywords more than those broad match billions of searches a month type of keywords. Um, one of the companies that I do some work for 
as a contractor, almost all of his traffic comes from long tail keywords. He spends thousands of dollars, um, he spends hundreds of thousands of dollars a year on his online marketing and a great majority of it is in capturing these long tail keywords. And some of this isn't gonna make sense until we get into the optimization, the search engine optimization part, and then it'll start making a little bit more sense. But the idea is that you create a page that is optimized. It's, it, you, you have done everything according to Google's rules and done everything possible to make sure that that page shows up higher in the search engine results. And it's a, it's a combination of art and science and sacrificing chickens, but uh, it's, it's easier to do for the long tail keywords and you're going to get most. Now, when you think of this in, in terms of the long tail keywords, you also have to realize that there are websites that have millions of pages. We're not talking about a three page website. We're talking about a website that you're going to need to have as many pages as it takes to uh, bring in the, the visitors. And if you're bringing in 50 visitors a month to a website, to a page in your website, now what if you've got 10 pages that are doing that? What if you've got 100 pages that are doing that? Um, is it worth creating 100 pages to get that many more visitors to your website? If your website is designed to convert your visitors into sales, it's worth it. If all you're trying to do is, is look smart, then it's probably not worth your time because it's gonna take some time. I'm going to say that if you get it... No, no, no. It's, it's amount of disk, disk space used. There are free options, but just pretend they don't exist because you don't want free websites. Can I put that off for two sections? All right. If I don't answer it, make sure you wave your hand and, and ask, and I'll, I'll get to it. All right. Do we have any, any more questions about keywords, keyword analysis? Okay, obviously I skimmed over it. It's, this is very light and some of it will make a little more sense as we go on. Correct. Yes, and we'll talk about how you do that in just a moment. So did everybody hear his, his very nice summary of what I've been rambling on about? This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.